The Space God Memoirs. Episode 10 I woke to numbness, my vision a fuzzy blur. My body felt all stretched out and rubbery. At first I thought I must still be dreaming or hallucinating. I had no idea where I was or what was going on. Gradually things began to coalesce into shapes and colors, my sight slowly returning to me. I was on that ridge still, overlooking the dusty plains below. For some minutes I just stared out letting my eyesight recover as I watched the swirling dust and the blowing grasses. Then the numbness poured right out of my body, replaced by a dull ache. Most of it was due to the fact that my arms and legs were tied behind me to a thick wooden pole that was set into the ground. I tried moving my limbs, but there wasn't much give. Zerothra was nowhere in sight. Neither were birds, Rayleigh, or the cart. But of course, the evolved ones were. I could see five of the crimson-clad Mother Scraggers, three standing around me in their full shiny red armor, two more off to the side, around a smoldering campfire. Some shuffling noises from behind me suggested a few more might be in the area, probably back in that grove they had ambushed us in. The Blasphemer is awake, said one of the three around me. A ripple formed in the air nearby. The figure of a man appeared in view his body blending in with the scenery behind him through some kind of sorcery or tech. Was this the scout who had been tailing us earlier? His body shimmered and the glamour melted away, revealing his full form. This guy's armor was crimson red like the other EO, with deep purple highlights around the chest, shoulders, and hands. He had some kind of short knife sheathed at his waist. The man used his free hand and depressed a release switch on his neck. His helm came off with a hiss of air. A handsome, chiseled face surveyed me with cool gray eyes, the left side of that face covered by a long scar that somehow made him look more, not less striking. Tell us everything, tech man, he said, his voice gravelly. What are you doing here? Well, I began, I seem to be hanging from this pole right now, being talked at by an idiot. I really shouldn't have said that, I realized, but just couldn't resist. He backhanded me across the cheek, hard with his heavy plastic glove. It stung, but probably not as much as it should have, as I was still feeling the after-effects of the knockout dart. You're the idiot, Scrapper, dabbling in things which will surely doom you. We saw your group trying to evite us near the Four Brothers. Clearly you must have been carrying something which we wouldn't approve of. Perhaps you and your foolhardy fellows want to sell some forbidden technology to the Ganadrians. I was silent feeling my cheeks starting to throb. No way I was telling these yugs about the project. We figured you had something in that cart. Where is it? And your companions, where are they hiding? I have no idea, I said, honestly. I was glad they hadn't found my gemstones yet. I could still feel them, secure in the hidden pocket of my pants. He hit me in the stomach. I could feel my insides colliding and black dots appearing on the edges of my vision. 
The evolved one waited patiently until I had stopped coughing. On the other one, the blessed being. I know not how she came to travel with mongrels like yourselves, but... Wait, I responded. You mean Z? The beauteous blue one. I know not whether she serves our lords or is among the enemy, but clearly she is beyond a person like you, Scrapper. Come on, I said after another cough. She's not like that. She's, uh... I trailed off, not altogether sure who or what Z actually was. Uh, have you guys seen her? The Holy One eluded us all together. She has vanished. If you, her servant, do not know where she is, then perhaps you are useless to us. He unstrapped that knife from his belt and pointed it at my face. Of course I could see that the metal was super shiny, its surface having a strange fluidity to it. Oh! I shouted. Come on, it doesn't have to be like that. I can give you and your buddies plenty of useful info. Tell you where caches of nasty pre-red technology are hidden, so you guys can smash it or burn it all or whatever. Maybe we'll even find some heretics to kill. He snarled at me, not looking like he believed a word of my lies. None of that matters, fool, he said, moving the knife closer to my face. The gods have returned. The time of the trials is at hand. Soon the worthy ones will ascend to their place of glory. Judgment will then come to all those who refuse to evolve. I mentally muted the rest of the idiot's words, my eyes looking past him to the dusty plains below. There was a glint of sunlight off something down there. Something metallic. It was getting closer. Three somethings, actually. Each rapidly approaching and leaving behind clouds of dust as they trailed across the plains. Are these more evolved ones? someone else. Listen to me when I talk to you, shouted the disciple, slapping me across the face with his free hand. It definitely hurt, but I already felt pretty shitty, so I just looked at him and smiled, then let out a little chuckle. I could now tell that the rapidly approaching figures were riders, three of them. They were definitely not the EO. Each rode upon one of the white and red Hulzars, stocky lizards with gaping maws of knife-like teeth. The riders were clad in armor from head to toe, shining in different metallic hues in the sunlight, the joints lined with a rubbery substance and sets of tubes running into the chest from the mouth, their faces masked by helms. They were close now, the clawed feet of their mounts thumping on the ground as they bounded up the ridge. The disciple turned around, signaling to his companions when he saw the armored warriors come into view. You guys are scragged, all right, I said. Looks like the Knights of Ganadria are here. I figured that was a good thing, for me. Ganadria was none too fond of the evolved ones. I recognized the knight in the lead. Female by shape, she wore armor of polished bronze and yellow, looking particularly radiant as the sun reflected off of it. Her helm, a golden yellow, was avian in character, complete with a beak. That had to be Bakibra, one of the higher ranking and more celebrated knights. Rayleigh was always talking up Bakibra and how great she was. As the EO raised their pikes and readied themselves, Bakibra was already at the camp, followed by her two companions, both looking to be male, one in blue armor, another in unpainted gray steel, those I did not recognize. The bronze-clad leader hurtled from her saddle, and landed in a crouch upon the nearby ground. She stood up and pulled a shiny steel sword from a scabbard on her right hip. Her free hand remained empty. I noticed it was covered in a slightly larger gauntlet, 
its center inset with a blue gem, shielded wires leading from it down the arm. The Kibra pointed her sword at the collected evolved ones. You have intruded upon Ganadrian territory, she bellowed, voice deep but clearly female. Remove yourselves, and loose your captive, and I shall allow you to return to your proper places. There was a pause, a tension in the air. The knights held their positions. The evolved ones gripped their weapons tightly. The one who had questioned me walked towards the knights, his small curved blade in one hand. Step away, Bakibra, said the blade wielder, his tone confident. This blasphemer is ours. He's to be brought to Gervathnar at once. I think not, Slayer, retorted Bakibra, her stance firm. Your authority ends at the bounds of the river valley, Trevos. These are Canadian lands, under the king's protection. You shall not have him. The man called Trevos looked at Bikibra sideways, then shook his head of blue-black hair. Sad, he said. I'll just have to kill you all then. With his right hand, Trevos the Slayer gestured with that curvy little knife he had. As he flipped the weapon to the left, it suddenly changed, an additional blade violently twisting forth from the original knife until it was twice the size. With two more rapid flicks of his wrist, the showy clown expanded his blade out till it looked as big as a longsword, albeit as an angular, painful-looking monstrosity. That thing had to be a twist blade, I thought with wonder. But who in scragging scrag had a twist blade? I had only heard stories. In seconds, he was already at work, flipping his blade from hand to hand each motion causing it to twist and pivot, fall back into itself and expand out. He fell upon the knights without hesitation, swinging his ever-shifting blade in an elegant dance. The blue-clad knight, Blue Bart I'll call him, pulled a long polearm from his back and remained mounted, charging to meet Trevos. His partner, Steely Stan, just unholstered a bulky gun from his waist, an antique slug throw, and began launching rounds at the EO. Travos's compatriots joined him, one charging at Bakibra with his electropike. The knight deflected it with her sword, blocking the pike at its non-charged haft. Another of the EO did likewise, trying to stab at her exposed right side. But again, the bronze knight turned and deflected his thrust. Then a third and a fourth were upon her, the last member of the camp instead opting to crouch down and take out the same dart gun they'd shot me with earlier. I could barely keep track of the combat that followed. A succession of thrusts and parries, kicks and dodges, with the guys in red doing most of the aggression, of a Kibra stepping aside or blocking. She moved with a kind of supernatural speed, her strength and reactions bolstered by the power armor, which I'd heard hooked right into the knight's bodies, pumped him with all kinds of crazy chemicals. Trevos was just as quick. His blade's liquid metal warped and changed size along with his motions. So fast and so insanely sharp, I was surprised he didn't chop his own fingers off, flipping it around. Instead, the Slayer spun and dodged all around Blue Bart, who was doing all he could to simply avoid the twist blade. I watched as the knight raised his pike to block, only to have the blade cut right through it like a hot knife through dugga butter. I tried to look as innocent as possible as I hung onto my pole, hoping no stray swings or shots would head my way. I figured the knights were on my side, but that was no guarantee. I had heard just as many bad stories about them as good. 
From behind me came the clatter of more armored footfalls, and in seconds I saw four of the EO emerge from the grove behind us. What followed was chaos, with blades clashing against pikes, electricity zipping through the air, people grunting and screaming as they shot, stabbed, and hacked at each other. It all seemed to go so fast to my non-combat trained mind. In less than a minute, I saw three of the EO on the ground, dead or wounded. Blue Bart was also on the ground, dismounted, Trevo standing over him, the twist blade dripping blood. The remaining EO, greater in number, were beginning to surround the knights, who had stayed close to one another. Then Bakibra pushed something on her right gauntlet. The blue gem at its center lit up, resounding with a gentle hum. She lowered her blade. Trevos leaped forward and thrusted her, but instead of striking her in the chest, his blade met with a crackling barrier of blue energy that shimmered into existence. As the powered weapon touched the energy shield, the air thundered. A wave erupted outward, and even I could feel the tail end of it as dust wafted into the air. The evolved who had been circling the knights were nearly all thrown to the ground, losing their balance. Trevos, among those knocked prone, looked up at Bikibra with disgust and annoyance. He shook his head and put his hand to his chest. Within seconds he had faded away again, his armor's camouflage activating. His companions eventually got to their feet, but by then it was too late. Blue Bart, wounded but alive, was already up and pulling out his backup sword. Steely Stan looked ready to shoot anyone who made another move. Retreat! shouted one of the EO into their shared comm system. His fellows heeded that advice, and soon the lot of them were backing away and then running, off towards the grove where they had first ambushed us. All those red-armored yugs were hastily out of sight, save for the dead ones. The knights briefly stood their ground. Then the two male ones sheathed their weapons. Bakibra stepped over the body of the man she had slain and walked to where I was still tied up. She took her blade, and with a few slashes cut the ropes that bound me to the pole. I stood up and looked to my rescuer. For a moment she said nothing, then removed her helmet with a hiss of air. Beneath it she wore a face that I might have thought pretty, but for a certain hardness, no smile in sight. With brown skin and tousled black hair, she looked out at me with hazel eyes that sat over a strongly defined nose and high cheekbones. I am Knight Captain Bakibra. She stated with a respectful nod to me, Defender of the royal line of Ganadria, protector to his magnificence, Prince Sophiro. Pleased to meet you, I responded. I'm Kef. No titles to add to that. At least not yet. Oh yeah, and thanks for the save back there. It was my duty, she responded, both to keep travelers in our lands safe and to drive back invaders such as the evolved ones. Well, thanks anyway, I said. I mean, on a normal day, I'd easily been able to handle all those dug-a-kissers, but I was a bit incapacitated this time. I smiled and gave her a wink. But Kibra did not reciprocate, nor did she laugh. That sort of reminded me of Z. Hey, I added, you didn't happen to see any fellow travelers on your way up here, did you? I seem to have lost a few friends. Yes, she said. A visitor at the city gates informed me that there was a squad of evolved ones in the region, and that they might have captives. As well, I encountered a couple with a cart near the bottom of this ridge, who identified you and pointed out this camp. They should still be waiting down there. 
visitor at the gates? A rather odd woman, a diplomat from foreign parts. Blue skin and hair? I asked. Bakibra nodded. Did she give you her name? Say where she was headed. The knight shook her head. The lady seemed in quite the hurry. She had a meeting with His Majesty King Rutus. It was not my place to ask further details of her. I shrugged and sighed. Who the scrag was Z? A diplomat? A blessed being? What had even happened back there? And how much of it had been real? I was feeling about as confused as ever, but kept a straight face as I looked at the knights. Fine enough, I replied. You said my friends are down this ridge? Indeed, she answered. I will take you to them and escort your group to the city. Follow. Yes, milady, I answered, as polite as I could manage. Then I followed, letting the knights lead the way on their reptilian mounts. While Bakibra and her squad hadn't shown the slightest bit of malice, you never knew what these knights. There were stories out there about the knights of Ganadria. Some of them good, and some of them rather nasty. Some said that armor of theirs pumped them full of so many hormones, it eventually either drove them crazy or killed them, in addition to giving them enough strength to snap my neck with one hand. So I made sure to stay polite, and also keep both eyes on them as we made our way down the slope of the ridge. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Space God Memoirs. Space God is written, performed, and produced by A.M. Arctos. Original musical score by Alpha Colors. Various sound effects created by Industrial Strength Records Incorporated. Please support this podcast by following, rating, and sharing on your favorite social media site. For further info on Space God, its creator, and various other opinions, musings, and thoughts, go to www.spacegodmemoirs.com or follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. If you enjoyed the Space God Memoirs, please consider supporting us by becoming a patron. Check out the Patreon link in our description to learn more.